You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, it's Friday. I am sitting in my car in a parking garage outside a hotel in Dallas, Texas, so as not to disturb the friendly people in the rooms next to me. This is perhaps among the most roving of the Farm Bureau studios. I'm Charlie Winfield. Bart Gregory is in the more permanent version of the Farm Bureau studios here for our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Looking forward to this, I don't know, what do we call it, Bart? The Frisco Classic? Yes. Three games played against different teams in Frisco, Texas. That's what I know. (laughs) And, hey, this is a pretty good tournament, Charlie. And when you look at the state, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Cal, and this is being put on by D1 Baseball. And, and by the way, I know we're going to get asked this question about how you can watch the games this weekend. You're going to have to go to D1Baseball.com. And you can buy a day pass. They do it by the day. So you can watch all the games in one day, like a Friday, a Saturday, or Sunday. You can buy it by the day at $9.95 per day. Or you can buy the weekend pass at $24.99. And so I know we'll also be asked a question by buddies of ours in our text groups. Hey, do you have any kind of code or anything? Now, let me tell you this. I'm going to purchase it personally. So if I'm going to purchase it personally, that's the way you got to do it. So it's twenty four ninety nine for the weekend. Go to d1baseball.com, and that's how you watch the games this weekend. And I will say this. This will not be flow sports level. Kendall Rogers and those guys at D1 Baseball have done a pretty good job of putting these broadcasts on. It will be a much higher quality broadcast than what we've seen before with flow sports. Well, that's a fairly small hurdle. I guess you still got to jump it, though. So, Bart... I will be watching the ball games in person from a seat in this stadium. Normally host the Frisco Rough Riders, the AA affiliate of your Texas Rangers. I like this stadium. It's, it's got a little bit of an old school vibe to it. It was built early 2000s and uh, great venue for baseball. And it works good for the Rangers. A lot of people tend to think that in minor league baseball, you go A, then you move to double A, then triple A, then the majors. But there are actually a whole lot of guys who shuffle back and forth between double A and the majors. Or maybe a whole lot's too many, but at least some number. And it works well here in, in Texas. You got a guy, you need a quick rehab start before you get him back to Arlington to play with a big club. You ship him up to Frisco, meant to drive across town. So works pretty well. Have you ever been in this park? I have not, and it's been probably 10 years since I've been in Frisco. And Frisco is one of those places in the country, Charlie, that is if you went there 15 years ago versus right now, it's two completely different places. Oh, it's phenomenal. I was trying to put in scope for somebody the size and the magnitude of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And I told somebody, picture driving from Starkville Columbus with nothing but tall buildings all the way around you and that basically being the case in every direction it is the sprawl here is unbelievable and 
it's it's actually a really great place. I, I am a big fan of the Metroplex and the Frisco area in particular. But as you say, you go back 25 years ago, it was a cow pasture. And now it's got the star. It's got the Dallas Stars hockey facility there that they use for practices and that type thing. Um, it's a it's a cool cool part of the state of Texas. Yeah, it, it really is, and I, it's one of my favorite places to be honest with you too. I, I've always liked the Dallas area. Hey, I was talking about watching the game a moment ago, and Charlie, one of the things we haven't talked about on the show this year is if you want to listen to Jim and Coach Polk and you kind of wonder where I can listen to that, of course you can go to hailstate.com. But, you know, for you and I, what what Learfield invented a couple years ago to me is fantastic for someone who likes to listen to ball games, and that's called the Varsity app. And so if you have, you know, an iPhone and you want to download, it's the Varsity app, and you can listen to any broadcast that's a Learfield school, and just about every school right now is a Learfield school when you look around the scope of college athletics. And so the other night I was listening to Louisiana Tech and Ole Miss on Wednesday night on the Varsity app. And so you can toggle back and forth between different games. Hey, before we talk about this weekend, um, did you see what happened in Oxford on Wednesday night where Louisiana Tech takes a lead in the top of the seventh inning and then the rain, they have a runner at third base, so an insurance run, and then it starts to sprinkle rain, and then they pull the teams off the field. They don't tarp the field, and then it completely washes. And it is an NCAA rule where it does revert back to the final full inning. And so Ole Miss won 4-3 to three instead of losing 5-4. to four. I saw our good friend Lane Burroughs said yesterday, as long as I'm the head coach at Louisiana Tech, we will never play Ole Miss again. He was mad because they didn't move the game up or tarp the field. Did you see all that? I did see that, and that is a page right out of playbook of one of our former head baseball coaches. You remember the snow game? And Lane Burroughs was here, I think. I think he was still here as an assistant then, along with Butch Thompson, where that morning the field's covered in snow. Our opponent, it wasn't Northwestern State, was it? Who was it? It was Nichols. Nichols State. Oh, yes. Who basically got on the bus and went home, and our coach tried to declare a forfeit. And ultimately, pictures were circulated of snow all over the field. And then the question was, how? what time of day was that picture taken? Did the snow have time to melt? <laughs> so I, I think it's uh, – I – you know, I think it's one of those unfortunate things of the game of baseball, personally. Um, baseball ha- is quirky. It's unfair. It, in much the way when you play the game, it's unfair. You can feel really good. You can be mentally prepared. You can do everything you're supposed to do, have a great approach, go up and hit four balls as hard as you can hit them and go over. You can feel like you just rolled out of bed and go three for three with three bloop seeds. The game is cruel, and I think this is a kind of one of the beautifully cruel elements of baseball. You know, you think back to the thing. I want to say this part now. We've had coaches get mad because we moved game time uh, just a year ago, right? Uh, The issue of, hey, we shouldn't have moved this game up, or we shouldn't have delayed this game because that rain was never going to come anyway. It's a tough thing to play around the weather. I'm not defending it necessarily. But what I'm saying is a lot goes into these things. Oh, it does. It does. And I think that was one of the things of, 
hey, we see the forecast. Why don't we move this thing up to 1 o'clock and, and try to get it out of the way and, and get out of here. But, hey, we have the great weather team on our campus, and that's why we're, you know, we set the standard as far as weather with our meteorology department, Mike Brown and those guys on our campus. Oh, they're, they've been really good. And that's one of the underrated stories about Mississippi State baseball over the past five years is how many games we have gotten in because of making adjustments. And people say on a Wednesday, well, why are you already moving a game on Friday? I mean, these guys, these guys are good. Speaking of good, you guys there in the Farm Bureau studios are going to get a little bit of a downpour here shortly. I, it took me, Bar, I drove to Dallas yesterday due to complications with flight schedules. Nine hours from Jackson, Mississippi to Dallas, Texas, because I spent a great deal of it in an East Texas parking, I guess you call it a parking garage, a covered parking area that I just decided to take advantage of to dodge some hail. Uh, the weather was no good at all yesterday. It's going to be cool tonight here in Plano, Frisco, whatever you call this area, but it's uh, clear. It looks good. So the rain. Looks like we're going to have a cold night, low of 44, but wind. That's one thing, too. We think about Chicago being the windy city. Dallas is actually windier than Chicago. So we're going to have 17-mile-an-hour winds coming out of the north and the northwest tonight. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, too. Yep, and you did mention I am in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents all across the state of Mississippi. Home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for, use what we use, and that's our good friends at Farm Bureau. And also, this is the Trax Plus Deep Dig. Trax Plus, now with five locations. It all started in Hickory, Mississippi, right there on I-20 at the Hickory exit. It morphed up into between – Louisville between Starville and Columbus, and then Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria at Louisiana, and now Bessemer, Alabama. And so five locations, Tracks Plus, a heavy equipment. Go to tracksplus.com. All right, Charlie, today, later tonight, we play the Buckeyes of Ohio State. We haven't played Ohio State in a while. We went up there for a regional in 1999 and then again in 2001. We lost in 99. And then we won that regional in 2001 up in Columbus. Did not even play Ohio State in 2001. Remind me, what happened in that regional? Because Ohio State was a team I think we were worried about, but somehow we never had to play them. Yeah, we played Kent State. Remember, we played Kent State in the championship game and beat Kent State. And so we never had to play Ohio State. Nebraska was kind of the downfall in 99. But Ohio State came early in the season Back what twenty years ago, and that's when they had Nick Swisher. It was back in that uh, you know early season tournament we used to have at Duty Noble. We had Notre Dame there one year. We had Ohio State there another year, and so we have not played them uh, since that time. The NBC Classic. That's right. What was what was that? The NBC Classic, the pre cadence Bank. That's right. It was. It was that first weekend of the year. Yeah, Notre Dame came in that for that one year. Um, Ohio State. You know, new head coach there. They got the assistant from TCU. I think the story of tonight, if you had a storyline for tonight, I want to have a little, you know, Bart, I am the, I'm the eternal optimist, right? (laughs) I am always positive and expecting the best. But if you forced me 
to be a Mississippi State fan for a minute and to expect the worst out of tonight, what I would say is here is my fear. We're going to have a pitcher just shove it tonight. A guy with a great breaking pitch and a guy with a good fastball, a guy who's been on the mound a lot, a lot of strikeouts tonight. Hey, tell me I'm wrong. No, and I think you're right. And Isaiah Coupe is going to be the starter for Ohio State. And he's preseason all Big Ten. He's a hard-throwing left-hander, low 90s, but he may have one of the best breaking balls in all of college baseball. Uh, Right now, through two games, 18 strikeouts, just one walk and 13 innings of work. uh, Can you say that again? I want you to say it again. (laughs) That one deserves some emphasis. Yeah, two starts, 13 innings, 18 strikeouts, and one walk. That's it. And so six shutout innings and nine strikeouts against UConn early in the season. And so he's the real deal. This will be a legitimate left-hander that we'll see tonight. And so then that begs the question, Charlie, and this is kind of where, you know, I want to go to on on this deep dig. I think so much about baseball and so much about getting ready for a weekend isn't about just the guys that we're playing. It's about us too. And so when you start a left-hander like Ohio State is going to throw tonight, then all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, where are we in our lineup? You know, we feel very good about the top of the order. I mean, Amani Larry is going to be your leadoff guy. He's 5 for 11 in his last three games. Amani Larry has been a, a very good prototypical, prototypical leadoff guy. And then Ledbetter in the two spot in the order, what a great you know, what a great storyline for him. We knew what we were getting with Colton Ledbetter, and he has played the part. He leads the nation in RBIs right now with 19. So he's your first left-on-left matchup you'll see in the order. Ledbetter's five for his last eight in the last three games, has nine RBIs. To me, that's you're going to see a lot about Coupe, I think, Charlie, in that first at-bat between Ledbetter and Coupe in the first inning. So one of the things that interests me, though, in that first inning is who's going to hit next? Are you going to leave Dakota Jordan, the right-hander facing the left-hander, experienced pitcher? Are you are you going to maybe drop him down, try to take a little off him? You know, we tried it once and it didn't really do that much. What, what do you what do you do with Dakota Jordan in that three spot? Well, I think a lot of it may depend on you know what you do in the DH role. And so are you going to keep Bryce Chance in the DH role against the left-handed pitcher? You know, Bryce is three for his last 16 over the last five games. Is this a game – I mean, do you bring Aaron Downs off the bench to be your DH, but then do you give him the double whammy of putting in the putting him in the three spot in the order? Probably not. So when you factor all those things in, I think you probably leave Dakota in the three-hole, even though, you know, Dakota's four for his last 17 over his last five games. Uh, we played nine games. He has eight hits. He has one hit in eight in eight games. And so just that fear factor with him in that three spot in the order, you probably keep him in the three hole. You know, when you start looking up, up and down this lineup, I, I, I don't know who you move to the three hole. Well, that was going to be my, my question is, you know, it's one thing to say you're going to move somebody. It's another have an answer for who goes there. You're not going to put back-to-back lefties hitting second and third in this order against a high-level left-handed pitcher. So that rules out Hancock. It rules out Hines. It rules out Kellen Clark and some others. You're not going to put Forsyth there. 
mean, really, Slate Alford would be the only other guy, right? And then the question is, do you, what, what do you really accomplish moving him from batting fifth to third? So I think you probably leave him there. I don't think you're very likely to play a first-time DH as a right-hander and move him up. I think, though, that's going to be one of the things that will be interesting to see. You know, Bryce Chance came out and kind of grabbed hold of that spot early. He had some big games. He hit for power. He showed a lot of effort. He's played some right field. I wonder, though, and this is not a knock on Bryce Chance. Look, a five-game stretch is interesting to me, but it's not determinative. And unless I'm just seeing a guy get overpowered or things like that, you got to go back and break down why they're out. But it feels like to me, if Mississippi State's going to be any good this year, they're going to have to have some contributions from Isaac. They're going to have to have contributions from Aaron Downs. And maybe Nate Chester. I mean, look, I don't, I don't know who it is. got to have another right-handed bat in there. And so if you wonder in a three-game series, do you see one of those guys maybe both getting a turn at DH? And I'll add one other question for you, Bart. Do we see Ross Hoffield catch tonight to get an extra right-handed bat in the game? One thing about Ohio State, they don't run well. They're, they've been thrown out five of 17. Yeah, and so that therein lies the point. So what if you catch Highfield, then you know you're probably pulling Hines out of the order. And so if you're pulling Hines out of the order, and I know the obvious is you got a power left-hander with a with a good breaking ball. Hines is a left-handed hitter. He's five for seventeen in his last five games. But you know the flip side of that is Arizona State pitched a left-hander on Sunday, and Hines had the approach of going the other way early. And, you know, he went the other way. He went three for four in that game on Sunday, and he hit left-handed pitching really good in the Sunday game. And so I, I don't know what the answer is. If you catch high field, you're going to pull Hines out of the order. And that therein lies, the, you know, do you want to take the bat out of Hunter Hines? So I, I think all that being said, here's the things that I want to see this weekend. And, again, not a knock on Bryce Chance, but I want to see some at-bats kind of filter through the lineup a little bit. I would like to see Isaac and Aaron Downs get a couple of turns to swing it. Am I off base? No, not at all. I completely agree with that assessment. All right. On the mound, let's talk about who we'll obviously going to have. Um, I know we'll have our pitching matchups. Gerangelo, here's the, the question I have for you. We're going to see him. I don't know that – this is necessarily just performance related, meaning, you know, there was a lot of talk last week that Kate Smith wasn't 100%. I'm hearing some of that again this week. And so I don't necessarily take this as a, hey, Gerangelo is going to be your Friday guy forever now, but he's got a chance. He's going to have a chance against a good team. The I guess the question is, who do you back into him with? Yeah, I think that is a good question because, first of all, I like Gerangelo because he's been a strike thrower. And, you know, we've we've talked about, you know, the pitch clock and, and how that has affected college baseball. It has not affected Gerangelo the first, you know, couple times he's gone out there. And so that's the that's the whole thing is who do you back in him with? Because you have Eintema, who was kind of your swing guy, that um, – and he's going to be the Saturday starter against – Oklahoma tomorrow and so I to me take him out and then you know what do you do you know last week we had a, a tough outing to start with and when we back ended on Friday night with Casey Hunt I don't think you 
probably back in this game with uh, you know with KC against you know Gerangelo. And so the, to me, the whole key is how many innings can Gerangelo give you out there. Um, I don't know. I don't. This is an Ohio State team that right now is off to a three and five start. They're batting two sixty five at the plate. They have not been a just a great offensive team. And so, yeah, I don't know, Charlie. I don't know who I back in Gerangelo with tonight. I mean, of course, all it's all dependent upon what the score is in the fifth inning. Well, there's a lot to that. So let's talk about our pitching roster here a minute. You feel good about Nate Dome, the guy that's going to throw strikes and throw hard. Brock Tapper's giving you some good outings. Will Gibbs, Evan Cieri. Um, you know, we hadn't seen Nixon in a while. You wonder if it might be a little bit before you see him again. Einzema's out of the loop. Lawson's out of the loop. Gartman can't go. Still not sure about Stanett. Here's what I think right now, one of the big stories on this team in terms of where we are going to go this year. I'm going to give you a handful of guys. We talked about on the offensive side, but if needing Aaron Downs and Connor Isaac, we're going to need some plays from them before it's done. It is not an option to say to Tyler Davis, you're not going to throw anymore. It's not an option to say to Tyson Harden, you're not going to throw anymore. Uh, Colby Holcomb doesn't have that option. And to some degree, KC Hunt doesn't have that option. Uh, we're going to have to get some innings out of those guys. And in some of those cases, we know they're just going to have to have uh, some better outings than what they've, what they've had at times. Is, am I off there? No, I don't think so. And, and the first name you mentioned, Evan Sieri. You know, he's just looking at it. I think if you've got a lead in the game tonight in the fifth inning or sixth inning and Gerangelo comes out of the game and you're up, say, 4-2 to two or 3-1 to one or it's a 2-2 two, two ball game, just by looking at what we did last weekend, I probably think you see Evan Sierra because what's the thing about Evan? Man, he has been a strike thrower. He's got eight strikeouts and two walks and six and a third of work. And so I just think that this staff right now has a lot of confidence in him. And – so you you feel good about where Anthony is, Gartman. I think uh, right now the pleasant surprise has been Evan Sierra, the you know, the freshman from Starkville Academy. Yeah, and I wonder if we don't see you know, Will Gibbs. Will's pitched two and a third. He's walked a couple, but he struck out six. Hey, Will Gibbs, here, here's one of the things that jumped out to me. He's got the real ability to miss some bats. I mean, six strikeouts and two and a third? So that's six out of seven, right? I mean, I – if you need a guy to come in, get you a strikeout, maybe Will Gibbs is one of those guys that's just got to gotta be given a chance. Yeah, and you mentioned Holcomb last weekend against Arizona State. He threw an inning. He gave up a couple hits there, gave up a run, gave up a solo home run. He struck out one, didn't walk anybody. And that was really the that was the first outing out of the three that he pitched this year that he didn't walk anybody. And so hopefully, you know, you're seeing him kind of harness that control, a high 90s type of fastball. So – yeah, I mean, tonight against Ohio State, that's a big one. And then tomorrow against Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma's going to throw a big, tall righty. So we mentioned the left-hander tonight for Coupe for Ohio State. And then tomorrow, Karsten, junior college transfer from McLennan, is going to pitch. And, you know, he was really good in, in the junior college ranks and big, tall right-hander. And so you're going to see a completely different style tomorrow with Oklahoma. And of course, Oklahoma played for the national championship last year, but man, did they lose all kind of players from last year's team. You go through last year's roster and there are, you, it doesn't even compare in many ways to the one that they have now. 
Um, it's a team though that's known for hitting the ball historically. Reggie Willits used to be with the most decorated team in the history of professional sport, the New York Yankees. Uh, he has uh, been working with Oklahoma and their hitters, and they put up some big numbers during the time he's been there. It's a young team. We don't know a whole lot about the guy we're going to see on the mound for them. He's pitched, but he hasn't pitched against anybody uh, big time just yet. So uh, that's a young team. Hard to say what you're going to see there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing. When you start looking at Oklahoma and then the Cal on Sunday, I tell you what, Charlie, uh, let's, let's do our two brothers, two guys can smoke you. And I guess we do it for each of the teams this weekend. That's what's so crazy about playing this weekend by about three different teams is, you know, who do you look for as the guys that could kill you and the guys that could smoke you. If you're looking at Ohio State and just 10,000 feet as a Mississippi State fan, who are you worried about this weekend? We've talked about the pitcher Coupat, so I feel like I need to leave him out. I'd go with the first baseman, uh, Marcus Ernst. He's the guy that can, can run one out of the park against you. He's a big guy. He's a fifth-year player. He's been around. I think he is probably the one that I would say you, you most have to look out for. And, hey, here's the thing about Ernst. He's got a swing and miss. I mean, he struck out 10 times this year, tied for the team lead in strikeouts. He leads the team in home runs. He's hit two home runs in early in the season, and that's a tough ballpark to hit home runs at in Columbus. And so I agree with you, Charlie. It's kind of going to be kind of feast or famine. You don't want to run one up there tonight, you know, hard of the plate if you're Gerangelo at, at 91. Here's the thing I like about Gerangelo. It's not just 94, 95 right-handed. He's got movement. Um, it's it's you know, it's not a straight fastball, and so he attacks the zone with stuff that that has some movement to it. That's the good thing. So I was actually going to go with Marcus Ernst, but uh, another guy is you know is Nick Irwin. Uh, Nick Irwin is 15 RBIs, tied with Ernst atop the team with total bases. He's got eight RBIs early in the season that leads the team in RBIs. So I think Irwin, who's batting 345, leads the team in hits. He's a guy you got to be careful of too, and so. Irwin is my guy. I was going to go with Coupe, the, the starting pitcher tonight. Coupe, 13 innings. We talked about you know the 18 strikeouts and one walk. He's only given up seven hits in 13 innings of work. So, to me, those are two players that could smoke you, brought to you by our friends at Two Brothers Smoke Meats. And, of course, Two Brothers, without doubt, one of the best places in Starkville to eat. I mean, it is on my to-go list each and every week. Charlie, I was looking down the, the menu last week. I got the tacos last week. I know you like the tacos. I tried the tacos. They were fantastic. And so, man, everything, the burger is underrated. But it's a great place to people watch. You get upstairs and you get out on that balcony. You can watch everything kind of matriculate down University Drive or out on the patio right there beside the road. Man, it's a great late-night spot as well. And that's our good friends at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. So, Bart, one last thing I want you to consider, and that is this. Oklahoma, who we will play on Saturday, likes to run. They are, I think, eight in stolen bases. Heck, their first baseman has eight stolen bases in the last four games. How does that impact your decision, if at all, as to what you're going to do behind the plate on Friday? Well, that's what I was about to say, you know, you ask yourself the question against the left-hander tonight, do you get another right-handed hitter in the order with Ross Highfield? 
Now, so then we asked the question about bringing Hunter Hines out of the lineup when he hit the ball well Sunday against the left-hander. That's why I say tonight against a team that's not going to run a lot. Ohio State has not run a whole lot. Maybe I keep Hancock behind the plate and Hines at first base in the game tonight, knowing that tomorrow I'm going to catch Highfield behind the plate and play Luke Hancock at first because I know tomorrow I've got a team that is really going to run a lot. Now, the, the positive tomorrow for us in the starting role is you've got Eintema, the left-hander. And so hopefully that can keep the running game at bay just a little bit. But um, I think what you see with Oklahoma, as much as they like to run and as aggressive as they are offensively, that may affect the way that you start your game tonight. Well, there's a lot to the puzzle, isn't there? Particularly when you're playing different teams. So I'm excited about it. If I gave you two wins right now, are you taking it? Yeah, I would. I would. And, you know, I would. of course, you'd love to have all three. But, you know, Oklahoma has not played well here early this season. Ohio State's off to a 3-5 and five start. To me, the team that has played well here early in the year is Cal. You know, Cal has not been a bad baseball team early in the season. And so, you know, they're off to a 6-1 and one start. They won a road series at Houston. They beat, beat Stanford during the midweek. They beat Cal Poly. They beat UConn in a ball game. I mean, Cal, under Mike New, I mean, this is a team that's off to a really good start, a West Coast-style team. And so, I mean, Cal, that's what's crazy. You look at Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then Cal. And if you think from a baseball standpoint, what's the team that worries you? Okay, Oklahoma play for the national championship. You look, look at Ohio State, you know, that's a Big Ten school, huge athletic budget. And then you look at Cal. But do you really look at it from a baseball sense this year? Cal may be the team that bothers me more than anybody. And that's when you're going to have to get up early and play at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Can't have a late Saturday night. No, you can't. Can't drink too many uh, Texas margaritas, right? Uh, by the way, the frozen margarita invented at Mariano's here in Dallas, Texas, as the story goes. By the way, that margarita machine is now in the Smithsonian. The story was that a 7-Eleven had gone out of business, and he went and got the Slurpee machine, started running his margaritas through there. So that's the legend of Mariano's for you, Bart. Mariano divert, deserves a hat tip from America. Well, doesn't he indeed? All right, Bart. Tonight, 6 o'clock. Saturday, 2 o'clock. Sunday at 11. You've got Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cal looking to take two out of three. Anything we need to hit before we get out of here? I just think there's so many unanswered questions about this team. And you mentioned the sample size a minute ago. Over the last five games, Kellum Clark won for 14. I don't feel like Kellum Clark is a – one for 14 hitter in the last five ball games. Kellum's had some pretty good at bats and had nothing to show for it in those last five ball games. I think this is a weekend, the first time you really get away from home and uh, get away from your folks. I think we're going to have some some you know decent amount of fans out there. We got a lot of alums out in the Dallas area, and so hey, I just want to see us. I think I think Sunday afternoon. We talked about it last week about how we felt like Sunday night at five o'clock we're going to know a lot about our baseball team. I think we're really going to know a lot about our baseball team about three o'clock Sunday afternoon. And you know how we're, you know how we kind of set up athletically against Division One teams. Well, I guess we'll see too. You know, Ron Polk used to talk all the time about playing at home. Sometimes added some pressure, and people like to laugh at that. But I, there's something to that. There's going to be smaller crowds this weekend, 
there's I've always thought in basketball, if I were a coach, I'd like a road trip early. You feel like your team kind of bonds and connects when you're forced to be in a hotel room and sometimes just sitting around lobbies, waiting out a rain delay, those kind of things. I think getting away is good for any sports team when it can. I want to see if getting away, being together, being on the road, playing in front of some smaller crowds doesn't loosen things up. You probably saw Jim Schlossnagel, the head coach of Texas A&M, kind of got into their fans a little bit this week. You know, basically, you know, I thought the 12th man meant something. Uh, but a lot of guys um, just, you know, there's a lot of people who just don't understand the failure that is baked into baseball, where for a hitter, I mean, a great hitter, 70% is the failure rate. And so oh, we, we have those. Uh, not we we have a very intelligent fan base let me be clear but you know we have a few people who hop in the car with them and come to games and don't fully understand how things go and i wonder if getting away from home might do us some good just to help clear the head a little bit yeah i i, I agree with that hey guys to watch for cal rodney green outfielder had a really good freshman year last year. He's off to a good start this year. The catcher, Lama Vita, is really good, too. Uh, Ohio State, you know, Lipsy kind of banged up a little bit early in the season, but the thing about Oklahoma, you've got Spikerman out there in the outfield. Uh, you've got some really good talent this weekend, and, and you can go out there and, hey, if you loosen up like you just said, you go on the road first time this year, you kind of loosen up, take a deep breath, and uh, this could be a pretty good weekend for you. Well, I guess you and I will know a little bit more when we get back together Sunday morning for Sunday coffee as we'll break down the first two and look forward to the last one. Yep. Get us some wins this weekend, Charlie. Man, we'll do our best out here. Um, All right. Well, that'll do it. We'll be back. You've been listening to our Tracks Plus Friday Deep Dig. Thanks to Tracks Plus Farm Bureau. Thanks to our friends over at Bank First. Thanks to everybody who's been willing to listen to us over the past couple of years. We sincerely appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be a pair of happy people when we get back on Sunday morning. You've been listening to the Tracks Plus Deep Digs.